CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Just like that, the wild, wild west goes through Saskatchewan. The Riders improve with a 21 to 6 win over the Blue Bombers. And the Bombers fall into 9 and 6. The Riders go into 10 and 4. This is a special post-game edition of the Canadian Football Countdown. The Canadian Football Countdown brought is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out this show and all the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows by visiting CF Pod Network on Twitter and CFPodNetwork.ca online. My name is Michael Dell. I'm joined by my regular co-host this evening, Ryan Troop. Ryan, good evening, sir. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry, I'm just making sure everything's sounding right on Periscope, because yes, we are also live on Periscope, so join us there. Uh, feel free to ask questions throughout the show, and we'll try to answer them as well. So uh, yeah, the Bombers drop another one tonight, third straight loss here. Uh, you have the heartbreaker against Montreal the week before. Uh, or two weeks ago, you have the uh, beatdown at the hands of the Hamilton Tiger Cats last week. And just now, this game just ended a couple moments ago. Uh, going in Regina is never an easy place for the Bombers to win. They do drop this one. Um, just seemed like offensively couldn't get anything going. And when they finally did, they turned the ball over. Yeah, the big, big story. Three second-half turnovers, two of which on the goal line for the uh, Blue Bombers. And... Uh, what a coulda, shoulda, you can't make excuses. The Bombers don't have a player at the most important position right now. I think it's abundantly clear, and uh, it's showing. Yeah, well, I, I guess let's start there, because uh, over the course of the next hour, we will you know, talk about all this. We'll talk about some of the other games as well, because we had a heck of an entertaining game uh, between the Calgary Stampeders and the Montreal Alouettes just before this one, but... Uh, Let's start there. A quarterback position for the Bombers. Uh, final stats on the game. Let me just refresh the game tracker here. Um, Chris Stravler, 26 of 40, 254 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. He does carry the ball 12 times for 48. So Interception, one in the end zone, and a fumble lost. Also deep in right of territory. Yeah, it is, uh, the turnovers especially were there. And it just seemed like they had no offensive mojo most of the night. And, you know, 254 yards passing last week, he had over 300, just barely. But also, again, just like last week, a lot of those came in garbage time. He had a big completion to Darvin Adams in garbage time. Uh, that padded his stats there a little bit. Uh, frankly, where do you go from here? Because clearly things aren't working. This was a crucial matchup. The Riders win this one, which means they win the season series. They hold sole possession of first place in the West Division now after the loss uh, that the uh, Calgary Stampeders had to the Montreal Alouettes. So now where do you where do you go here? Are we looking at the Bombers finishing third in the West Division. Uh, Calgary, yes, they lost to Montreal, but they looked sure as heck a lot better than the Bombers did. 
I I really don't know where you go from here because it's rare that I'm at a loss for words um, after a football game. I'm at a loss for words. I I I don't know how Winnipeg Blue Bomber management to come out and say the same old thing. And how you can keep trying the same thing and expecting different results, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um. And honestly, it's this hitching the wagon to Chris Traveler might be the downfall of this management group. Which is funny because all season long, everybody's clamoring to say, we want Chris Traveler, we want Chris Traveler. Well, you got him. How's that working out right now? And the interesting thing is, it's funny how people are game buster crazy about Matt Nettles being a game manager. You know what I mean? And yet, game management, game manager Matt Nichols is the most effective quarterback the Bombers have. We we, we kind of talked about this. And, you know, for a large... Like, I wouldn't say Chris Strevler is a terrible quarterback. Well, I wouldn't say he's a great quarterback either by any means. Let's be clear there. Um, clearly, the majority of what he does comes on the ground. And, frankly, I think what is happening is teams are starting to figure it out. You know, we thought... You go back to that first start against Edmonton. You go to that uh, where he, he rushes for 89 yards, only throws for 87. You go to that uh, game against uh, the Riders, the Banjo Bowl, where, where he runs like crazy and the Bombers put up that big win. And you, you start to think a little bit, you know, nobody can really figure out how to stop Chris Strevler. He brings that unique dynamic thing to the offense where he, you never know if he's rushing, whether he's passing, what he's doing. Well, clearly teams are starting to figure it out, Mike. The thing is, I hate to to rail on Chris Strevler. The Bombers aren't in the um, we-need-to-develop-a-quarterback phase. The Bombers are in this. We have the roster, certain things go right to win the great top phase. If the Bombers are four and nine, let's say, okay, I can stomach Chris Reveler doing what he's doing. Because it's a development year. Frankly, this management team's ability to go out and acquire a quarterback and being so tied to Chris Traveler is deeply concerning to me. Deeply concerning. Now, this loss wasn't solely on the uh, on, on the quarterback, right? No. It definitely wasn't in my eyes. There was a, uh, a team-wide issue. You know, first off, let's talk about Bombers defense the week before in Hamilton versus Bombers defense today. Night and day difference. They did a they did a a minus in my opinion. For yeah, tonight. they they did almost as much as you could to stop the riders from uh, you know from putting up forty on you. It's plain to say, right? Then they didn't put up forty. They only put up twenty. What was it? Twenty one. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then take away that long ball to 
shot Evans at the end. And the I, defense I, I, shored things up a lot. The thing that I gripe about a little bit with the defense is the number of times that they could have forced a turnover, right? The number of drop turnovers they have. But it's funny because you talk about the other th- side of things. The Riders had at least four. We saw guys on the field doing push-ups at least four times, right? Is the offense going to turn those turnovers into points? I'm not so sure tonight. So to me, I don't even think that's a... I understand what you're saying. You know, defense had an opportunity to force turnovers. To me, this was about lots of play calling in field goal territory. At the times where the Bombers had a field goal in their back pocket, they left that minimum of six points on the field and came out with nothing. So, what is the overall storyline here? The over, overall storyline is nobody helps each other. The defense is asked to do so much. Chris Traveler, I hate to pin this on him, but you turn the ball over three times in one half of football? Just look at what happened to Calgary. You don't deserve to win the game. They turned the ball over five times. Did they win the game? No. So, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, if there's a quick fix here. Trade deadline is this week. They won't do anything. October 9th. They won't do anything, even though they should. I, I w- I'll sit here right now. I will be shocked if they bring the quarterback in. Well, I will, too. Because they've flat out said they're not going to bring a quarterback in. That would be hypocritical. Yeah. So you're not bringing in a quarterback in and at the deadline because you're desperate to change your work? The worst thing the Bombers did was say we're not bringing somebody in. Yeah, the second you say something like that, you kind of paint yourself kind of paint yourself into a bit of a corner there, don't you? See, and that, that's my problem. If they don't say that publicly we're not bringing in a quarterback, I think it's a completely different story. Yeah. Because now what you're saying is Chris Traveler's the guy sink or swim. Imagine there's call-in shows on other stations right now. Number one topic of discussion is Chris Traveler. Oh, it always is. I don't even, I don't even need to turn the radio on to know that that is what's going on. What's going on in, in Regina? We're going to win the Grey Cup. We're going to win the Grey Cup. Wow. I think uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats might have something to say about that. Montreal. Calgary. Uh, to me, it's really down to those four teams now, right? Here's the thing for me. I don't believe the Riders are going to win the Great Cup. I don't believe the Riders are going to win a playoff game. First place or not. The Riders? Correct. To me, there's way too much being put on Cody Pajardo having to be really good. Think, think, w- think about this. For the better part of three and a half quarters, Pajardo had a chance to put the Bombers away badly. Didn't do so. Any decent quarterback that the Bombers have, sorry, Chris Traveler, the Bombers are probably putting up 21 extra points. Okay. And that's a completely different game. Sorry, not sorry. But the defense will carry the ride. I'm just not sold on Pajardo. Yeah, I find that hard to believe why, based on the track record we've seen all season. Like, what makes you not sold on what Cody Fajardo has done, especially after just this past week, just a couple days ago when we were here on the podcast? You you go and make that one of the prime topics you want to talk about, as Cody Fajardo having his best game of the season, uh, putting the riders where you didn't think they would be, and putting Craig Dickinson as your Western nominee for 
head coach of the year. So how do you go from that to Cody Fajardo leading his team to a win that seals the season series against their prime rival and saying he's not doing good enough, Mike? He he put up 299 yards and a touchdown, 47 on the ground. How is that not doing good enough? If you're Cody Fajardo. Uh, no, I I understand that. I understand your statement. I'm just saying in a one-game playoff, Fajardo could come out and throw three interceptions. And Has he done that this year, though? He could. I'll, I'll get you the game log. I'll pull it up right now. We'll, we'll have the argument. If he throws three interceptions in a game in the Western semifinal or the Western final, the season that the Riders had is irrelevant. That's with any quarterback. Okay. If Bowie by Mitchell throws three interceptions in a in a game in the playoffs, Calgary's done for. If if Dane Evans does that, Hamilton's done for. So why the fixation on Cody Fajardo? Because I don't think the writers are good enough. Plain and simple. What what have they shown you that they're not? Because, because I do not believe that Fajardo can lead them beyond this year. I disagree entirely. Everything we've seen, I have not seen a thing that shows me he can't do that he's uh all season long he's put up a he's he has 14 touchdowns seven interceptions only on the season chris strebler has 11 and he's only played half the year okay so here's the thing saskatchewan's likely opponent in a western final calgary what was the score in that game that was also earlier in the season i think a lot has changed since then they'll play each other sometime in the next two weeks I won't be Not surprised sweet. if the Riders win. That's sweet in Calgary. So, I could see the Riders winning that game. I might pick them to win that game. In Calgary? Sure. Here's the thing. I don't know if I'm naive right now in thinking that the Riders aren't as good as they are. Or if I just had them fixated near the bottom. And keep waiting for this to run I'm out. I'm just wondering what the changeover is since last week. Why? Why? What? What has changed from you having them at the top of the world to after the win against the Bombers? Is it because the Bombers, in your opinion, right now are that bad that winning only twenty-one to six is not good maybe enough that's to make it. the Riders a good football? Maybe, team? Maybe, maybe that's it. Because to be honest with you, they had how many touchdown drives today? One. Oh, yeah, but that's all they needed because the defense shut everything down. Okay. So maybe I'll retract my statement. Thank you. And I'll say I want to see Fajardo win a game where he's forced to do more, where the rider defense plays below average, and I want to see if he can win that 28-27 game. That team in the last three minutes in cold weather. I know he's done it in the last couple of weeks, but show me more. I don't think he needs to. Frankly, I, I'm in that stance. Cody Fajardo's a rock star, and he's owned it this year. And uh, dare I say, maybe he needs to be in consideration for Western MOP nominee. I'll say that. If I had to go anybody on his team, I'd probably go the guy who caught almost 200 yards worth of passes today. And Shaq Evans. Shaq Evans over a thousand yards on the season. Sixth time in his career he's put up a hundred yard gain. Has a hundred and ninety three yards and a touchdown today. Uh it was one of those things where uh, a couple spectacular catches, you know, really 
he really sealed the deal for the Riders this game, right? Like, it was the defense shutting the Bombers' offense down, and it was Shaq Evans making the plays they needed to. Because, sure, the rest of the game, the Riders' offense maybe didn't get that much going offensively. They only did put up the one touchdown. But it was a couple big gains. It was the one along the sideline that get, got them the field into field goal range later in the game. It was the one touchdown that sealed the deal there. Yeah, Shaq Evans is balling out right now. No comment from the Bomber locker room so far. I, I am sure we'll hear the same comments we always do, that uh, we need to have a good week of practice, review the game film. We thought we saw some good things out there. We thought we saw some bad things. Um, you know, we'll reveal the, re- review the footage, get a good week of practice in, and uh, next week our record is 0-0 going into next week, right? It's the same stuff we hear all the time. Coaches won't give you more than they have to if you've learned anything. To me, I, I'm i just frustrated about how the Bombers can seem to think everything will be okay. Yet there's no, um, they know there's a problem, but yet they refuse to admit that there's a problem, and they refuse to fix the problem. Saying that Chris Trevler is your quarterback without exploring other options. The only other logical thing I can think of is that the price points for a quarterback Trade-wise, are too high, and Walters won't want to bring one in for the price of maybe three games. Okay, let's explore this right now. Say they do make a trade for a quarterback. We both don't think they will. That's fair. Who do you get? What are you doing at the quarter? Put your GM hat on. It's trade deadline. What are you doing this week if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to turn things around from this three-game losing streak? I think, honestly, you go down the list of quarterbacks that uh, aren't going to make the playoffs. James Franklin, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Jonathan Jennings, assuming he's not injured, Dom Davis, assuming he's okay. Who's the other non-playoff team? Well, BC. Well, uh, BC's not They're trading. They're not giving you Mike Riley. And also, BC looks like they... Uh... They're they're not necessarily out of the playoffs. Uh, while we're recording this BC Toronto game going on behind us, it's currently seventeen nothing BC in the first quarter. So let's stick to McLeod Bethel Thompson and or James Franklin. I'm just wondering why Toronto would hang on to those two. Okay, but do you think either of those can lead this team to a Grey Cup? Given that you're bringing them in. And well, who else are you bringing in? I, I To me, I just don't see the CFL trade deadline so late in the season. Like, you're making a trade with three games back left in the regular season. You're bringing a guy in, expecting him to learn your entire system and lead your team to a Grey Cup. Do you think that's going to work? Unless there's a prime option out there. Well, status quo isn't working. To be honest, the one option that would work to bring in in my eyes but I know it's not a viable option because they're uh, they already contacted the guy and he said no. Is Kevin Glenn because Kevin Glenn was with this team a year or two ago. He knows Paul Apolis's system. What does Kevin Glenn say to three games instead of eight or nine? I think he said no already. I don't think he changes his mind. And does, I, does his mind change with three games and a potential playoff team? Okay, but where's your, 
I don't know about your stance on this, but if I reach out to a guy, he says no. How many times do you reach out to him again after that? Depend- the guy is retired. He hung up his cleats. De- depends on the reason that he said no. If he said no because it's too long. If it's no because you said I generally don't want to play. That is the question. Do you reach out to Darian Durant? Yeah, how do you think that's going to go? Do you reach out to Ricky Ray? I don't th- I, I don't see any of these guys coming out of retirement for this. Because right now they're probably watching the same thing we're watching, that this seems like a team on a di- down ro- downward spiral that is not going to be in the Grey Cup in November. That likely won't score a touchdown in the playoffs. We've now gone 10 straight quarters without an offensive touchdown for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, courtesy of uh, TSN's Darren Bombing. Maybe that's why they haven't done anything. But you can't not go to Toronto and say, here's a second round pit for James Franklin. How do you not take that if you're Toronto? Knowing that you're probably going in a different direction anyway. Even a third round pit, fourth round pit. How are you not getting something for a guy that's not going to be part of your future? If I, I mean, if I'm the Bombers, I better be offering a trade like that, and I, I think Toronto should accept that. Like, I think that's a trade that should happen. Um, who, who would you prefer? So let's an, say, let's say both are, let's say you. both are available: James Franklin or McLeod Bethel Thompson. To me, I'll take Macbeth. Me too. As much as I love James Franklin, how about, how about Antonio Pipton? Seemingly buried in rubble in Montreal. Do you want a fumble on the third and other one than, at the uh, goal other, line? Other than a fumble last week. Seems to be a third-string quarterback. Maybe that's an option. Have you seen enough from Pipkin in his career to feel confident? Here's the thing. I don't think any of these options out there at quarterback right now, if Chris Streveler is not the guy to lead the Bombers into the playoffs, which based on what we've seen in recent weeks, I think us and a lot of people in Winnipeg feel no. He is not. Where... Like, I don't think any of these guys we've mentioned are either A, viable options, or B, uh, like, by viable options, I mean guys that would consider coming in, or B, options that are going to turn things around, given that they have no time to learn the system. Here's a question for you. Did you start Sean McGuire? <laughs> you, you stole my point, man. I was just about to get to that. You know, I said this to you. We we just watched the game together, and after it ended, I said, next week, let's start Sean McGuire. Why the heck not? Right? You're in third place in the West Division right now. For all intents and purposes, uh, you're not going to fall to fourth place unless you lose out on the season and Edmonton wins out, which is still technically possible. It's likely not going to happen. You're going to be in third place in... in Right, and, and you have a hill to climb now uh, with Calgary and Saskatchewan here after losing this season series to the Riders. So, why not? Why, why, why not start Sean McGuire next week and see if you get some sort of spark on offense? Uh, we know the guy can throw a heck of a long ball. Uh, we saw some of that in preseason, some of that in training camp. So, what do you have to lose right now? Absolutely nothing. Okay, let me ask you this though. It's three losses. You're nine and six on the season. Are we making too much of this? These three losses, like, are we overreacting? They were eight and two, weren't they? Yeah. 
Now they're nine and six. They have lost four of their last five. Two close games, Montreal, albeit a collapse and a loss to the Riders. I just still don't think we're getting enough from the quarterback position. Let's talk about some of the other things that happened in this and that's game. And that's been a systemic issue for a long time. That's not just a issue that cropped up tonight. So you're talking about a systemic issue. Uh, does so, does some of the angst fall on Paul Apolise as offensive coordinator? Because we we all know everybody loves Paul Apolise in Winnipeg. He's highly heralded for the things he does. But I don't know if the Bombers have executed a great game plan in the last three weeks and earlier in the season as well. I, I don't know if they have. I, I feel like... In fairness, how much did your playbook change with Straveler? I just... To me you have the best running back in the CFL. And I, I feel like at times they've underutilized them. There's been games where they've been ahead that they go on to just stop running the ball. There's been games where they needed to get the running game going early and have just not done that either. So to me, maybe some of this falls on the offensive scheme, right? Like there seems to be no momentum going in this game for this team right now. And, Every time we saw them gaining momentum tonight, they end up turning the ball over or failing to put the points on the board. So I, some of them, sure, were throws that should have never been made. Some of them were plays that should have never been made. But also, I think some of them have been plays that never should have been called. Goes back to my systemic issue point. I just don't know how much you changed the playbook, right? Matt Nettles and Chris Traveler are two different quarterbacks. And rarely do you find two quarterbacks with the same style that can equate the same playbook. So unless you're building another playbook in season, it's hard to know because we're not in the room. I hope those guys are working hard. I know they're working hard. But as a teammate, when you see one side of the ball not really performing, it's got to be deflating, no? Okay, let's explore. Well, it's interesting because the week before, you would say it was the defense that wasn't performing, right? This week, it's the offense that isn't performing. So it's not one particular side of the ball that is having issues. And and it's, the thing is, like, personnel-wise, scheme-wise, this is the same team that was running over teams early in the season. Things have not changed. You mm-hmm. had guys leave due to injury. Everybody pretty much now is back except Matt Nichols. So I not that much has changed in terms of personnel. I, I just think it's one of those cases where you have a team in a funk and that happens a heck of a lot in the CFL. Look at the Eskimos a couple of years ago. Started 7-0, and lost six straight, won five straight going into the playoffs. Like teams get in these funks and it's hard for them to get out of. Look at the BC Lions right now. Nine, what was it? Oh, and nine to start the season. One and eight. One and nine to start the season. Now they're at four straight, or they're going for their fourth straight win this week. There's the ebbs and flow of a CFL season, and you just don't want to get into the funk at the worst possible time. And it almost seems like Winnipeg is doing that now. Mike FM is the broadcast home of a junior hockey team. It's the best way to put it. They played seven games. They're three and four. They lost the first three, won the next three, lost last night. Up and down. So, how? Okay. Finally, to wrap this up, mm-hmm. you're in a funk right now. How do you get out of it? 
it starts by disconnecting social media if you're the players and tuning that outside noise, which is probably louder than Mosaic Stadium was tonight, and just doing what you can, picking up your teammates and saying, we're going to get through this as a team. The Bombers win two of the next three and win the Grey Cup. This whole last 45 minutes was moot point. Yeah, about a half hour. About a half an hour, okay. But it's hard to flip a switch come playoff time. That's just the way it is. And the way it goes, and I know the Riders have won seven of eight or eight of nine. One loss in the playoffs, the season is for naught. The only team whose season is for naught, is not for naught, is the team that wins the Drake Cup. Which has not been the Bombers for the past 29 years. Probably 30. Like, does that contribute to... Like, let's be real. We've we've talked for half an hour already on this podcast. This is a ve- This has been a very pessimistic podcast. Like... Mike is in a mood. I am in a mood. Bomber Nation is in a mood right now mm-hmm. after three straight losses. Do you think if Calgary went and lost three straight games, the sky would be... Well, maybe, because they're not used to losing that many, right? But like, the, it feels like the sky is falling right now because this city is so starved of a Grey Cup victory that any bit of struggles, the sky is falling. And any bit of... Woohoo is worth celebrating. Yeah, exactly. It's like we fluctuate every week between whether we should plan or cancel the parade. Right? That's just who we are as a city. Like, like bombers come out next week against Montreal, win by 30. People are going to be planning the parade, right? Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. People are going to say, oh, this team is gelling again. This team is on a roll. Well, I don't know how you can be on a roll with a one victory, but... Depends what happens in Calgary and Saskatchewan that sweep. Okay, so let's talk about this logjam in the West Division, because you have Calgary lose, uh, Saskatchewan beats Winnipeg. Looking at the standings here, let me pull them up. Uh, You have the Riders in first place in the West now at 10-4. and Uh, Calgary at nine and five, Winnipeg at nine and six. Edmonton's only two wins back of Winnipeg, actually at seven and eight. Uh, Winnipeg has the tiebreaker there, so they need to win their last three. The Bombers would need to lose out. So let's put it at those top three teams. How do you see things playing out between these three teams here down the race? You have Saskatchewan, who faces Calgary, BC, Edmonton, and Edmonton. You have Calgary, who faces, uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, BC, and you have Winnipeg who faces Montreal uh, and Calgary Calgary twice. How do we see things playing out? To me, I I, I probably see the Riders. I probably see the Riders finishing first in the West. Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Calgary. You think Winnipeg finishes ahead of Calgary? Yeah, because I think they win one of those two games with Calgary. Okay. It's about to bat. And then, depending on what happens for seeding, BC's got everything to play for, potentially, in the final week of the season. Yeah, that might be over by the time we get to that point, but... But you're not going to tell Mike Riley, oh, it doesn't mean anything in week 21. 
given the history of his rivalry with the Calgary Stampeders? Of course not, right? So, to me, I... here's a question. What are we saying if the Bombers win? They're in the driver's seat for first place. It's a fickle they league. They didn't win. Now, all of a sudden, the sky is falling? It's a four-point swing. That's It was an important football game. We build it up. That's that's why we're here recapping this game right now, Mike. That's that's part of the reason we got together to watch this game is because it was an important game to watch. But yeah, we get disappointed every time. Did you expect different in Regina? We both picked the Riders. You picked the Riders to win by 20. They almost did. No, but we expect them to surprise us. I'm not a big fan of surprises. Let's talk about Calgary and Montreal today. Okay. I'm honestly done talking about this game. Okay. Um. Wow. Two different halves by two different football teams. Yeah, you have Calgary in the first half looking like Dane, Bo Levi Mitchell looking like Dane Evans carving up the Bombers there in the first half. Throws for 300 and something yards against uh, against the Montreal defense. Uh, Calgary looks like they're in the driver's seat. Uh, all of a sudden in the second half, they don't put a single point on the board. Uh, what happened? Because you watched more of this game than I did. I, I saw bits and pieces. I saw the end of this game. But you saw more of it than I did. So what ha- what happened here between Calgary and Montreal? Can I just interrupt here for a minute? From a second half against Montreal till tonight, the Chris Revel is 67 of 93 passing for 642 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions. Bombers have been outscored 75 to 22. But yeah, it two different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the bully by Mitchell that was on pace to throw for 600 yards, and Montreal's did this second half darling, but they seem to keep the game close, and they find a way to win. Yeah. And it's the Kahari Jones effect. I'll say right now, Craig Dickinson and Kahari Jones are my coach of the year nominees. Well, that's what you said on the podcast last week, too, right? And I'm going to stand by that. Regardless of what Hamilton does. I I still think you gotta give it to Orlando Steinhauer. Orlando Steinhauer and Kari Jones should maybe be the lead wide nominees for Dennis West. I don't know if you can deny it. Let's just have three nominees, because honestly all three are deserving. Okay. So the interesting thing to me is hindsight being twenty twenty. What happens if Montreal doesn't fire the coach? And what happens if Chris Jones doesn't go to the NFL? Who knows? Two pretty interesting storylines. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell finishes 31 of 43 for 464 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, one touchdown. He does throw a cut, or he throws, I think, one interception. They turn over the ball a couple times in the second half. Uh, Mon- 547 yards of offense for Calgary, 293 for Montreal. Yeah, Montreal pulls out the win in this game. Montreal defense was good at the most critical times. It sounds like a broken record, but the bend but don't break. Calgary turned the ball over three times on Montreal's side of the field. Montreal gets a special teams touchdown. And Montreal gets a little bit of luck, and what an atmosphere today Oh, in Montreal. I know, I was watching that, and... uh I was just thinking, it's so convenient that this win clinches 
a home playoff game for Montreal because when you watch this game and you see the uh the, the how loud and crazy the stadium is Tari Jones jumping it down. You're amped up to see playoff football here for the Alouettes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we talk every season about how easy the cross or how maybe you want to be the crossover team. Heck, no, you don't want to be the crossover team this year because you have to pay, play the Montreal Alouettes and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You're not, you're not going to the Grey Cup if you're the crossover team. And you don't know who your quarterback is. Assuming Edmonton is the crossover team. Well, would Trevor Harris be back in time for the playoffs? Should be. I don't know. The six-game injured. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, he probably he is. He could because they could pull him off early. Right. They haven't used one of those this year. Like, to me, Montreal and Hamilton, I'm sorry Saskatchewan, are the best teams in the CFL this season. I think the Riders are right up there as third best, but... I I just those two teams and it's interesting now that every year we go and talk about like oh uh let's go and look at these west division standings versus the east division standings you know this western team uh in fourth place has a better record than second place in the east there should be a double crossover oh, ha ha west dominance forever well, if you look at it, Montreal's, okay, Saskatchewan won, but Montreal's two wins back from having as good of a record as first place in the West Division. If you look at that game against BC, you look at that game they lost against Ottawa earlier in the season, yeah, Montreal very well could be a 10-8 and football team. Or be a 10-win team right now, a 10-4 and team, or 10-5, and whatever you want to call it. The game he played with Hamilton was also earlier in the season. I'm interested. I'm really interested to see a Montreal Hamilton game because they have one more this regular season yet, I believe. I'm really interested to see how that plays out. I expect there to be a playoff game between those two. The only drawback I have with Calgary is the pressure of playing at home in the Great Cup. That's the only drawback I have with Calgary at this point. Is the pressure off of you a little bit, though, if you're not coming in as the odds on favorite? Because do you consider them. Like, the last couple of years, I've considered going into a playoff game, there was no doubt in my mind, Calgary's been the odds-on favorite to go on to win. This is what I was trying to say about the Riders. They're thinking Grey Cup in Regina. We were thinking Grey Cup here earlier. Everybody thinks Grey Cup on their team is winning. That's the bottom line. I mean, one of these one of these teams is going to go on to win it. Got to be in it to win it. Well, and most of the playoff spots are clinched up. It doesn't look like... It will be settled this week, though. It's currently 20 to nothing BC over uh, Toronto, although Toronto might score a field goal here as they line up to kick behind us, but we'll see what happens there. Yep, they made it. The shutout is... Oh, never mind. They were short. Okay, yep. Still 20 nothing BC. Uh, I take that back. Um, so BC looks like they'll, assuming they don't collapse here, go on to live another day. Here's um, a question for you. Why don't we see trades in the CFL at the deadline? We see it in every other sport. I just, to me, it almost seems too late in the season to have it. But then again, I guess it is a deadline, so it's not like you're prevented from making a trade earlier in the season, right? We don't even see many trades at all involving current roster players. No. One a year? You know why? Probably. You don't have guys signed to eight-year contracts. Right? 
You. Does that diminish a player's value when you know said player is going to be a free agent at the end of the year? Not when every player is a free agent at the end of the year. How does one player have a lower value than another one if they're all going to be free agents this offseason? We have over 200 free agents every offseason now. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, and I know some guys are starting to sign to longer deals, but um, there's so much turnover in the offseason. Also, six of nine teams make the playoffs. And like you said, if you, you have to be in it to win it, you know, six of nine teams make the playoffs. If your team is down a little bit, but you've clinched a playoff spot, hence the Bombers, maybe you're thinking, you know, we just need to get our morale out of this funk and we can do it because we did it earlier this season. Maybe that's the mentality. And I can see that being the mentality. And to be fair, I kind of understand some of the logic behind there because, again, going back to the Bombers, this is the same team that rattled off all those wins earlier in the season. Nothing besides Matt Nichols to Chris Strebler has changed, and I I didn't think the drop-off would be that extreme. Uh, again, Strebler's been in a winning position for three games, and they haven't won one of them. But I would argue some of those. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, he has two wins on the year. Mm-hmm. Second of all, okay, that was a walk-off homer on Labor Day from Brett Water in a game you lose every year. Mm -hmm. That game against Hamilton was ugly. We don't talk about that one. Mm -hmm. This game, yeah, I'll I'll put a lot of this on the offensive inefficiency. This the Montreal game. game? The Montreal game, they should have closed that out, but there was problems all around. Like, you can't pin that loss only on Chris Drevler when your defense becomes Swiss cheese in the second half. Mm-hmm. I think, personally, as much as I agree with you, Winnipeg needs to make a change here. I don't know what that change is. I don't know if anybody you bring in helps particularly much. And frankly, I think we're we're too hard on Chris Trevor right now. Is it because this they set us up with a false sense of expectation? Probably. Which is why my expectations are so low every year. But why do you expect... Did the Bombers not deserve to have high expectations to eat too? Probably did, yeah. Now that the petitions are being met and the fan base is rightfully so freaking out. It happens. You peak too early in the season. It's a very interesting thing because you could, in theory, make a case for any one of Calgary's stats when our Winnipeg to come out of the East, out of the West, sorry. None of it would surprise anybody. Because both teams have shown flashes of brilliance, but they can do it. Well, I think I think you you might surprise a lot of people if the Bombers come out of the West right now. Because, sure, Calgary, Calgary has been up and down all year. Saskatchewan started slow. They've been on fire pretty much ever since. Winnipeg started good, is trailing off now. Of those three teams, which one are you going to take going into the playoffs? The team that started 0-2... Uh, lost a random, brilliant game to Dom Davis in week number two, and since then has been on fire, won seven straight games. They did have a couple losses here and there, one of them being a doubleheader with the Bombers, where you normally split a doubleheader. Heck, I'm on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders train right now in terms of a team that I think is going places. I think it's a team that's built. And we're talking about, if you want to go back to that game super quick, 
Like we're talking about a team that had like William Powell hasn't even gotten super involved in the team in the game as of late at running back. Like he had 11 carries, 45 yards this week. That was it. Last couple weeks he's been shut down too. Just think the Riders are playing so well as it gets colder, as playoff football gets going, and you have William Powell out there. Like this team's gonna be even better down the stretch. One game changes everybody's perspective lead wide. It's all you need. It's just amazing. It's all you need. One team that I th- quickly we have about ten minutes left here, Mike. Uh, let's talk about that Hamilton Edmonton game. Uh, I think you wa- you were able to watch a little bit of that as well. Uh, mm, not as much as I wanted. To. Not as much. Uh, Frankly, it was the beatdown you called, right? You said it was going to be a blowout and it wasn't going to be close, and that's exactly what it was. Timmy chalked it up to the way the teams have been playing the last number of weeks. Is that is it more of uh, Edmonton is struggling, Hamilton is absolutely dominant, or something in between? In between, but uh, I would have liked to have seen the game if Trevor Harris was playing, just to see a little bit of a interesting... Because Logan Kilroy went through two or three interceptions. Yeah. So you take those out of the game. Does that help things, or was it a close game and then the interceptions late because the chance taken? But this looked like to be a lopsided game right from the start. Dane Evans, 24 of 32, 277 yards through the air, two touchdowns. Uh, Brandon Banks had a big game. Heck, Braylon Addison was somewhat quiet he had like five catches for 54 and yet the tie cats are rolling here and guess what maybe they're starting to get the run game going again because you had terrell sutton with 11 carries for 88 yards that's go back to last week's episode i I had a rant about this that the only piece the tie cats were missing was a running game and uh terrell sutton was the answer and I, i think they proved me right this week right yeah it's uh i don't know if they'll lose another game this year Hamilton will lose a game if they beat themselves. Same will be said about the Riders. The Riders need to... They have three straight on the road now before they close out at home because it's an outdoor game. I want to see the Riders on the road. I don't think they'll be a problem. But let's see. You know, you didn't play well against that one game against Calgary. Measuring time. And if you're a Bomber fan, I think you're cheering for Calgary. And then you hope that Winnipeg beats Montreal on Saturday and all bets are off because then again you have a first place showdown with Calgary the week after in week 19. Answer me this, uh, Edmonton, they lose again here. Uh, they did pick up that key win over Ottawa the week before, but uh, looks like BC is probably going to win tonight unless something happens. BC wins, uh, Edmonton loses this week, BC stays alive. Four weeks left in the season, Edmonton needs to lose out, BC needs to win out. Can BC make the playoffs? And if so, because all it's going to take is one game to say no, How? How? what happens? Does Edmonton win one? Does BC lose one? Is it a combo? How close do they come? I'm going to limb. The BC Lions will make the playoffs. I, I want to see that so bad. Because I I really think Edmonton has been too inconsistent the last number of weeks. 
They seem to me like two teams heading in opposite directions. There's a key game next week between these two clubs. I believe there's a lot of big week. games next week. Three of them all of a sudden have implications. Yeah, Edmonton, BC. That that's huge, right? Because Edmonton can clinch playoff spot, or they're they're breathing tight going into. Granted, they have a home and home with Saskatchewan late in the season. Saskatchewan may have first place to play for. But if Saskatchewan beats Calgary by a certain amount this week and wins the season series, Saskatchewan could very well have first place in the West locked up. The fact that the Riders the Riders would have to beat the Riders would have to beat Saskatchewan by beat Calgary. Oh, sorry, beat Calgary by thirty-two points. Ooh. Because as I recall, that last game was forty-one to ten. I'm gonna double check, but that was a blowout. That wasn't close. But that's kind of what we're dealing with here now. I'm just gonna double check here. But yeah, I believe it was a. Uh, yeah, it was something like that. Something, something huge. Uh, Thirty-seven to ten. Okay, so twenty-seven points it would take them to uh, four touchdowns. Unlikely, right? But. They could. Could happen. They're playing pretty well right now. How um, ironic would this be? Let's say the Riders win, and then they have to cheer for the Bombers to beat Calgary to get first place. Uh, let's quickly wrap this That's up. Awkward. Let's quickly wrap this up the last five minutes here. Uh, let's do some picks for next week because, again, note uh, this special post-game edition of the podcast is our episode for this week, so we don't have any fans. A lot of ranting. We apologize. We don't have any fantasy update or anything like that because all the fantasy scores are still going on. But we can do picks for next week. If BC wins this one, we will go 4-0 and this week, both of us. Uh, so that's something. Uh, super quick, rapid fire here. No, 3-1. and one. Did we both pick Montreal? Yeah, and Montreal won. We both picked Montreal? I picked Montreal. I think I did too. I can't remember. Yeah, you did. I did. Okay. Yeah. News to me. All right. Um... Toronto hosting Ottawa in the matchup that not very many people care about. Toronto, just because there just seems to be nothing right, right going right in Ottawa right now. Well, nothing's exactly going right in Toronto either. Uh, sure, I'll take the home team. One nothing final? Let's not go that Sorry, far. I don't want to disrespect both teams. but yeah. uh, Sure, I'll take Toronto at home as well. Calgary, Saskatchewan in Calgary. I'll put my money where my mouth is from what I said earlier in the podcast. I'm taking the Riders to win. Not by 27, but I'll take the Riders to win. There's a big, bad stench in the mouth of Bully by Mitchell. There's a big, bad stench in the mouth of the Calgary Stampeders. I'm expecting the staff to, to win a close one. Okay. Um, Bombers hosting Montreal. Uh by the way, this is part of uh, sorry uh, Thanksgiving weekend in the CFL. No Monday game this year. Two on Friday, two on Saturday. You have the Bombers hosting Montreal Saturday afternoon. I'm going Montreal. Uh, Montreal's just so exciting. Like it's one of those teams that you just get amped up to pick. I'm so excited. Montreal's playing. I'm gonna pick them. Begrudgingly, <laughs> reluctantly, whatever you want to call it, I follow suit. Right, like the Alouettes. Uh, I, I I love the Alouettes right now. I don't love the Blue Bombers. They're the feel-good story of the league this year, right? I might have to become a Ryder fan. Hmm. Mm. You could just be a Montreal fan. That would be less painful. Great up Montreal Calgary, the re the revenge of a extra man. That would be Montreal Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, Montreal Saskatchewan. You said Montreal Calgary. See uh sequel. 
Okay. You, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, 10-year reunion. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Uh, and finally, Edmonton hosting BC. Um, let's make things interesting. I'm going with the BC Lions to make this interesting down the stretch. I'm but going... let's also remember their track record against Edmonton this year. Who does? Where's the team? In Edmonton. Let's also remember the number of times Edmonton has sacked BC and they do lead the league in sacks. So I don't know if that plays into it, but it's two teams that are on one team's on a roll, one struggling. I'm taking BC. I pick BC by 10 and less than four sacks. All right. Their offensive line is doing really good lately. And they're winning. Any coincidence? I think not. Anyways, that does it for this episode of the podcast here. Our special post-game edition uh, live on Mike FM Winnipeg, live on Periscope. Uh, thank you for joining us wherever you joined us or if you're listening on the podcast feed after the fact. Thank you, for all, as always, for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. You can find me at Cooper Trooper 42. Mike, where can people find you? People can find me at Mike Daryl. Uh, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter for all of the other great shows around the network. Lots of fun stuff going on as we get close to playoffs here. Uh, lots of excitement around Grey Cup Week. Uh, the Two and Out CFL Podcast is going to have a live show at Grey Cup Week. I wish we could be there. Um, but it looks like it's sold out or there might be only a few tickets left. So, Props to those guys. Uh, lots of exciting stuff around the CF Pod Network as we get closer to the Grey Cup. Uh, like, subscribe, review on all the podcast platforms. And thanks, as always, for listening. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying have a wonderful week and have an early happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye.